Would you please open those to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This week marked the beginning of March Madness. And uh, as of Friday night, there were no perfect brackets left. So Warren Buffett gets to keep his billion dollars. Um, did you all hear about that? They were offering a billion dollars to the person who could pick all the games right. And of course, nobody's ever done it. And he got to sleep well Friday night. But um, the one thing that I was really excited about was the fact that Duke lost to a 14 seed. I was, th- I was running in circles around my house and was so excited about that because I hate Duke. I know I'm a pastor and I'm not supposed to hate anything, but I hate Duke. And if you're a Duke fan, I can love you, but I will never love your team, ever. In 1992, a little piece of me died when Christian Leitner hit that shot. And uh, so I hate Duke, hate them with a passion. Um, and I am a Kentucky boy through and through. And, and as I said in our weekly email, if I can just point out the fact that the last two national championships in the NCAA tournament came from the great state of Kentucky. Kentucky won it in 2012, and Louisville won it in 2013. And so uh, Kentucky's got a big game today. If they beat Wichita State, then they've got to play Louisville. And uh, I'm not, uh, I will always root for Kentucky first, but if Louisville wins... I guess I'll root for Louisville. So um, all of you who are Florida fans, um, I know that we have some people put them on their, like the Gators on their checks. And I'm like, God bless them. (laughs) But uh, if you're a Florida fan, it really pains me to say that, but I think that they're probably going to win it all. So um, uh, at least I'm living in the state where the championship's coming. Um, Anyway, uh, this week uh, marked the beginning of uh, March Madness. Um, and uh, you can always see that when a team stays in the tournament longer, the louder their fans get. Uh, more fans start traveling to the games because now no longer are they sharing with six or 18 million. Did anybody try and go downtown the last few days? It's been a madhouse down there. Just craziness because the Amway Center was hosting the first round of the tournament and Florida was playing there, which made it even worse. But uh, there was there were several teams playing there. Well, when you the further you go in the tournament, the more tickets become available to the other fans, and so the crowds start to grow in support of those 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 teams. Um, the louder their expression of the love for their team is, even the uh, the, the fans that are kind of on the fringe throughout the season, the, you know, the longer they make it in that tournament, man, the more they start to believe. I mean, Kentucky had a rough season this year, and I heard all kinds of you know uh, all kinds of people complaining on Facebook and stuff like. But people back home, and now that they made it past the first round, they're playing the number one seed in the tournament. Everybody's like, "Oh, I'm starting to believe again. My blood is turning blue." And they they really are starting to you know and and, and they're starting to show up and they're starting to to show out. Um, the greater the hope, the longer they go in the tournament, the greater the hope they have of hopefully bringing home that national championship trophy that they're all playing for, all right? Um, These fans will paint themselves up, and they'll wear all kinds of gear. Uh, They'll travel all across the country, all right? I remember, uh, you know, and again, if I I reference Kentucky a lot today, you'll know where my allegiance lies, but um, uh, I remember Kentucky played in Hawaii one year, and they sold out the arena in Hawaii with people from the bluegrass. 
Can you imagine a bunch of hillbillies in Hawaii walking around with Kentucky shirts on? And they did. They packed out the, the arena. Now, that's, that's Rupp Arena right there. One of the, it is the largest college basketball arena in the country. And every game, they could be playing nobody, and they will sell out, 24,000 strong. Um, uh, and people will walk into those arenas, and it doesn't matter. Uh, the longer their team stays in it, they, they will walk into an arena and sit in the middle of the opposing team, and somebody will sit right there. Uh, there's a picture, I couldn't find it, but I remember seeing a picture of uh, somebody at a, um, at a, at a Florida game, uh, and there's this, this big sea of orange, and right in the middle um, is a maroon um, jersey from somebody from South Carolina sitting right in the middle of him. And, um, and he's got a little sign that says, Go Gamecocks. <laughs> it's just surrounded by everybody else is doing this, and he's just holding up the sign that says, Go Gamecocks. <clears throat> this is how it is. Right about this time of year, we will, we, people will start really letting their pride show. Uh, and letting, letting who they love come to the forefront. In the United States, uh, however, a Gallup survey done just uh, maybe two years ago showed that 78% of this country consider themselves to be Christians. 78%. Now, we like to talk about Muslim as the fastest-growing religion. There's a lot of people throwing that stat around. It is not true. Christianity is still the fastest-growing religion in the world right now. And it is still the number one religion by far here in the United States. There's nothing that even comes close. I mean, 78%. Now, does that mean everybody's living godly lifestyle? No, but 78% of Americans consider themselves to be Christian. All right? Uh, and, and, uh, and of that 78, a really, it was startling to me, a really high percentage um, uh, of those people, of that 78, actually do go to church and consider themselves um, practicing in their faith. Now think about that, 78%. But sadly, as a whole of that 78%, we're not really declaring pride in our Savior, pride in the Lord, like we do with other things in our life. Now we're, we're going to talk about the madness of not sharing Jesus, and we are tying it in with the fact that the NCAA tournament started. But there's all kinds of things that people are show, share, e eager to share their love of with lots of eagerness, if it's basketball, or if it's their marriage, or if it's their kids, or if it's their job, or if it's their car or if it's their new wardrobe, or if it's that new toy that they got, whatever it is. There's a lot of people willing to talk about those kind of things, but a lot of people of that 78% aren't willing to talk about the Lord. And people will give all kinds of excuses why they don't. They won't share Jesus. They won't be a light. I, I don't want to push my religion down other people's throats. I've heard people say, well, I don't want to offend anybody. And I've heard other people say, well, I can't really do it at work. It's, a, you know, it's, it's, it's just not the right time, and I could get in trouble if I do it at work. And Well, it's just not necessary right now. The only, th uh, the only thing uh, necessary in our life to make sure that bad things happen is for good men to do no nothing. Now, that's a quote from Edmund Burke. And I'm just going to say it right now. We got a lot of Christians who aren't doing anything. We got a lot of Christians who are doing nothing. And then we all want to sit back and go, what's wrong with our country? Things are falling apart. 
Man, it wasn't like that when I was growing up. Now, I heard people say that when I was a kid. Anybody else hear that? I mean, I'm 43 years old, and I heard people say that when I was a kid. Oh, you kid, it's so much different for you today than it was in my day. I mean, if I talked to my parents the way you talked to your parents, my dad would have knocked me across the room. Anybody else ever hear that? All right. I, I used to hear that and go, whatever. I am now that person. I look at these young people and I go, oh, my gosh, it was never like that when I was growing up. If I would have done that, I would have been grounded. And I, I mean, it just... And I see all this stuff on the news. Oh, it's so bad. It's so this. It's so that. And our country's going to hell. And, I, and, and God's calling. Him. He's going to make us repent. And, and, and you all better get it together. And the thing is, is why has it gotten so bad? It's because we are doing nothing. Come on, somebody. That's a bad place to be quiet right there. This is happening all the time. We are not sharing the faith in our Savior enough. And by not doing so, evil is beginning to prevail. Let's look at the condition of the world today. In this day of not wanting to offend, evil is getting a foothold. But let me tell you something. You actually carry within you the hope that the world needs. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse number eighteen. <clears throat> and all of this is a gift from God, who pro who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. Underline that word, reconciling. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation so we are Christ's ambassadors God is making his appeal look at these next words here through us we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Now I want you to notice what, what Paul says here. He says he's given to us. Us. Turn to your neighbor and say us. Not just the pastors and not just the evangelists. Come on, and not just the ministry gifts and not just the Sunday school teachers. Come on, I had the pleasure of meeting Daniel Kalinda this week. The guy's taking over Reinhardt's meeting uh, or uh, ministry. Uh, and they do some of the biggest ministering in the world. I had the pleasure to meet him this week at a Bible study. And. Uh, They've had a million people answer the altar call at once. A million people. You think about that. We're going to do an altar call and a million people are going to come forward. That's, now that's half of the population of our fair city, y'all. We have about two million people who live here. Half. you imagine that? Half at one time come to the Lord. Now they've seen that kind of stuff happen. But you know what? 
He's not the only one who's been given that, the ministry to tell people to come back to God. Billy Graham has gotten countless millions of people saved. I mean, y'all grew up in the 60s and 70s. Remember, about twice a year uh, on ABC, there'd be Billy Graham standing in a football stadium giving an altar call. You can't see the wind, but if you know the wind is there, and you can't see the Lord, but we know He's there, and, you, and He would give those altar calls, and here they'd come. Thousands of people pour out of those stands and come in. And you know what? We have churches here in, the, in, this, in this area that get people saved by the boatloads. There's church down in Kissimmee that does big outreaches all the time, and they have thousands of people get saved at once. When I was in Tulsa, there was a church that did the same thing. Around Halloween, they did this thing called the Nightmare. And I mean, they'd see 30,000 people get saved in that, that Halloween season. We see those kind of things happening. But listen to me. It's not just for the salvation-minded people. It's for Christians. Come on, somebody. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Well, I'm uncomfortable with that. You need to get real comfortable with that. We have been given the job of telling people that they can have a relationship with God and more importantly, He wants to have a relationship with them. I want to say this to you today. There is nobody else. He's not using angels. The angels don't preach the gospel. We do. Listen, Jesus isn't going out and appearing at the foot of everybody's bed. If he did, we'd all already got saved. Everybody would be saved right now. If Jesus came and appeared at your bed, that'd be hard to really refute, wouldn't it? If he showed up there and he's standing there and he's like, okay, put your finger, you know, fingers in the hands. Here you go. Put it in my side. Just like he did with Thomas. I mean, I'm pretty sure we'd all be like, okay. And we'd all say, we'd all Tebow at the end of our beds real easy. That'd be so simple. But he's not out preaching the gospel. The Holy Spirit isn't, an, isn't, isn't out doing it. We are. Or we should be. We are the vessels that He decides to use. Christians. He wants us, and we are all there is, to spread how much He wants to have them back. I want to say this too. Because Christians are real guilty of this. We need to get out of just the habit of sharing him with each other. Now, I'm going to get into some of this in a minute, but I want to say this. Christians are terrible about this because all we want to do is share it with each other because, well, we're not going to reject each other. There's no fear of rejection if you know somebody's got Jesus. And, you know, I taught in Bible school for years. And I'd see Bible school students graduate and never leave. In fact, Tulsa has more graduates of that school than all of the other 50 states in the Union combined. You know why? They don't want to get out of that. They love it. We have been called to share Jesus with the sinner and the Christian, not just the Christians. Listen, if I went to medical school and, and, and I graduated and got my degree and, and, and know how to um, uh, um, operate on people or, or I know how to prescribe the right medication, I know how to treat patients, and all I want to do is stay in the cadaver lab, come on, and, and, and experiment a little bit longer, I'm not a very good doctor, am I? 
I'm a big chicken. <laughs> Listen, if I, own, if I went to law school and I just graduated and got my degree, my Juris Doctorate, and passed the bar, and I just wanted to stay at the university and do mock trials in the classroom, I'm not a very good lawyer, am I? Well, let me just tell you something. we got a lot of Christians who are blood-bought, spirit-filled, come on, got a relationship with Jesus, but all we're doing is staying inside the church and sharing Jesus with one another. And there's a world out there that is dying and actually needs what you have, and it's madness for us to not go out there and share it. It is madness for us to not share Jesus. Now, we've heard a lot of this before, um, but the fact remains there's still a lot of people that are not doing it. And even if you're not a sports person and March Madness doesn't appeal to you, okay, what is it that does? What's the thing that you're most proud of? Because that's what you're sharing a lot of. You ever, you ever, you ever get that friend that you know that every time you talk to them, that's all they're going to talk about is whatever they're... I mean, my dad's here this morning. I always make fun of him when he's here, or not make fun of him. I always call attention to him when he's here, but my dad's here. Uh, uh, and uh, we, we grew up with some folks, and uh, I grew up with, with some of their best friends. And, um, and when they got, when they, I'm a little bit older than their kids. And when their kids were born, guess what? They stopped talking about having fun with JP and Nancy, and all they wanted to talk about was their kids. Just kids, kids, kids. It was like every time you saw them, it was just like, let me show you the picture of my kids. Let me tell you what my kids are doing. Let me tell you. They did this, and they did that, and they did this. They love their kids. And some of you are probably like that. You love your kids. Some of you probably love your job. You know, oh, I get to do this, and I get to do that, and I get to do this. Some of you probably have gotten blessings that you want to tell somebody about. You talk about your blessings. There are things that you love a whole lot, but let me tell you something. If you're, you, as a Christian, the thing that you love the most isn't your relationship with Jesus, then we have this thing backwards. Because the thing that you are most proud of is the thing that you share the most of, and if you're not sharing Jesus, we, we got it backwards. It is not, it is, listen, I'm glad I'm not going to hell. Come on, somebody. But it's more than that. It is more than the fact that he saved me from going to hell. I, I'm starting to know him as the person and how awesome he is and how many things that he, he, he likes to do for us as people that belong to him. And you know what? The more I find out about things like that, the more I fall in love with him. And, and you know, and, 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 and the more the fact that I, I start learning how, how much he really didn't want to go to the cross. When he prayed so hard that his sweat turned to, come on somebody, he sweat turned to blood. He was praying so hard. But he went anyway. That makes me want to love him even more. Because now I'm starting to understand the person of Jesus that loved me so much, he did something he didn't want to do for my sake. And you know what? I can't help it. I can't help it but start talking like that. Why? Because I've started to love him for who he is. And if we are talking about all these other things that we wouldn't have without a relationship with him, more than we're talking about him, we've got it all backwards. I want to say this too. We have done a really good job as Christians as, of replacing sharing Jesus 
with sharing political point of view. We've done a really good job of stop sharing Jesus and we've started sharing our own personal opinion. I want to say this. Some, some people out there have done a really good job of, of, of they've stopped sharing Jesus and they started sharing just about their church. Isn't that the same thing? No, it is not. This church is not sharing Jesus. I mean, we are sharing Jesus. This church, though, if you share this church, you're not sharing Jesus. Listen to me. The church is for people that already know Jesus and, and also to introduce people who don't know Jesus. But listen to me. The church itself is not a replacement for Jesus. And I'm all about the cool churches where we're doing life together. In fact, that's our slogan, journey together. I'm all about that. I'm all about the churches that have the cool stuff and the, and the awesome stuff. But let me tell you something. That's not a replacement for a relationship with Jesus. And we're doing a real good job of sharing everything but Him. Listen, I get on Facebook sometimes and want to cringe because I see these political rants going on. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Listen, I know everybody's got an opinion. I've shared my opinion. But I have not disguised it as a word from the Lord. <laughs> I don't care what your view of Obamacare is. You can have your own view of it. That's fine. I got my view of it. And if you looked at any of my posts, you know what it is. But I'm not going to get up there and be like, this is of the devil, and, and this is what the Scripture says, and God's not pleased. Listen to me. That's not sharing Jesus. You can have your own opinion. That's fine. But my political point of view is not necessarily God's. Can't believe you just said that. Neither is yours. God is not a Democrat or Republican. Now, if you want to leave the church over that, we can talk later, okay? I just hate to say it. You're not going to show up in heaven and see the, 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 the big elephant on, on Jesus' uh, you know, building outside. There's the gates, and look, there's the elephant. Oh, great. Not going to happen. I don't think we're going to see a donkey there either. Everybody just calm down, all right? We need, to, we need to get back to a relationship with Jesus and share Him. Okay? None of these other things are Him. Jesus is Jesus. And all of these other things can change because of Jesus. People will come to church if they have a relationship with Jesus. Alright? People's opinions will change because of a relationship with Jesus. We need to focus on Him and what, in the things that we're sharing. So I want to say this to you, and we'll start getting ready to shut this down. Alright? We need to share Jesus because we love Him the most. If you're embarrassed to share your love of Jesus, then I question how much do you love Him. If you, can't, if you can't share him, then you probably don't love him. He is your fire insurance card. People that are fans of their favorite team will wear their colors, paint their face, and walk into a visiting, uh, a vi uh, be visitors somewhere, and, and shout at the top of their voice, go, go their team. I did that one time. 
I was living in Tulsa, and Kentucky was playing in Arkansas. Bud Walton Arena was about 90 minutes away. And so me and three of my buddies, we all piled in the car, and they drove in from Lexington, Kentucky. And we went over, we drove over to Arkansas, Fayetteville. And we were in blue and white from head to toe. And we sat in the nosebleed section surrounded by now you listen those people aren't there unless they really want to be there <laughs> okay all these people that have courtside seats they come in whenever they want you know the jack nicholson special they just walk in after the game starts they wave at everybody and they say, those people are there because they can be there the people in the nosebleeds are there because they want to be there and those are the diehard fans and there are four of us in blue and white from head to toe surrounded by arkansas red and they're all screaming sue go razorbacks And we're up there chanting, go Big Blue, go Big Blue, go Big Blue. And Kentucky won on a last-second shot, and that place went dead silent, except for us four guys up in there screaming our heads off. And I thought, oh, we're going to get lynched. <laughs> we are going to get killed. They're gonna th and we didn't care. We screamed and yelled all the way out. We came down the, st down the stairs and exited through a sea of, of Razorback fans screaming, yeah, go Big Blue. We didn't care. We weren't ashamed. We were proud. Because we love the cats. Love them. How many times have we been in the same situation as Christians? Surrounded by people of the world, and we're afraid to stand up and say how much we love Jesus. Well, I don't want to look like a weirdo. When did Jesus become weird? Why is he weird to you? I mean, that's, that's a red flag. If you were in a marriage situation and you came and told me your, your wife and you aren't getting along or you and your spouse aren't getting along, and, well, they're just so weird. Do you know that's a red flag for me and we're going to have like several counseling sessions and I might, may even get a therapist involved. That's a really bad problem. You are not in love with your spouse if they suddenly come off weird to you. Now, I'm not saying odd. Listen, I know everybody's got a little bit different odd things that they do. Okay? Me and Jody on some things are as polar opposites that you, you could not get further apart on things. When we first moved, uh, moved into the house here and we were unpacking the kids' clothes, um, she did Preston's or Peyton's room, and I did Preston's. Didn't make a bit of sense to me at all. And I'm like, "Where is this? Where is that?" She goes, "It's in the drawers." And I'm like, "There's like eight drawers, and I've opened all of them, and none of—I don't see what I'm looking for." And so she had to come in, and with the woman frame of thinking, which makes no sense at all to me, she's like, move three things and pull it. Here you go. Here's what you're looking for. If you would have, if you'd have just looked. <laughs> it's, it's okay to have a, a, you know, you're different. That's one thing. But if you get so ashamed of them because they're so weird, that's a red flag. Listen, this is the way it is with our relationship with God. People that have great marriages, newlyweds, 
People that are dating and get engaged, boy, they're not afraid to tell you how great it is. How many engagement ring pictures have you seen on Facebook? Come on now. Tell the truth. We got a guilty couple right here on the front row. Multiple. Come here, Chris. Come here. Come here. This is the pose. Y'all tell me if you haven't seen this. All right. Turn around. Turn around. The girl, always, they do this, and they put that hand out there so you can see that ring. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Thank you. There's that ring. Boy, they're not ashamed. Yesterday. David, I hope I don't embarrass you. Uh, David, our head usher. I'm having lunch with my girlfriend. Talking about his wife. Wherever it was y'all were eating at. And then pictures of them in the pool together. And just having a great time. It's so wonderful. I mean, no, not a bit ashamed of that at all. Other people are like, I don't want to put my life online. I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing today. But when it's good, we want everybody to know. Also yesterday, Terry was at the, the BOK uh, Tower with her boyfriend. Or fiancé. Or what, what is he yet? Is it fiancé yet? Fiancé yet. As of yesterday, see? We're not ashamed of the things that we're really happy about. When did, when did Jesus become weird to you? There was a time in your life when your love of Jesus was first and foremost, and you didn't care if anybody else knew. In fact, you thought everybody was supposed to know. Where is that love in your life today? Revelation chapter 2. Verse number four. Let's get some scripture in here. Now, we read this one a few weeks ago, but I want to read it to you again because John t tells them all the great things they've been doing. Now, you can go and read this in the first three, three verses of, the, of Revelation chapter two here. He talks about how great they've been in all these other things. Okay? Basically, church stuff. But then verse number four, he says this, but I have this complaint against you. Now, now check this out. If you go back and read what they were, what he was talking about, he was talking about defending the faith. And he was talking about standing up for moral character. And he was talking about, you know, making a difference in the world. He told them how great all those things were. But then he says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me and each other as you did at first. The King James says it this way. You have forgotten your first love. If your love for Jesus doesn't drive you in your relationship with him anymore, then I'm going to tell you what I tell married couples who are having trouble. You need to start dating again. Now, this may sound weird, guys, but you need to start dating Jesus. <laughs> you need to go and carve out some time where you're spending time with him. You need to go carve out time that you start reading his word again. Because if, if he's weird and it's weird to talk about him and it, it's weird to share him and it, it's weird that people know you're a Christian and it's, that's a weird thing for you, then you're not spending enough time with him. The love for Jesus needs to grow so much that you can't help but share him with others. He rolls off of your tongue and out of your mouth just like you're, you're the thing that you're most proud of. 
We also need to share Jesus, not just because we love him, but because he told us to. Mark chapter 16, verse number 15. Then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Now, some people will stop right there and be like, well, I ain't no preacher, so I am not going to do that. I don't know enough of the word. I've heard that one a lot. I don't know enough of the word to go share that with somebody else. You don't need to know enough of the word. The word preach means to proclaim or to tell somebody else the good news. You are a preacher whether you realize it or not. Even if you never step foot up here or behind a pulpit, you may never become a pastor or a reverend. But a preacher is somebody who proclaims how good God is. Somebody who tells. If you tell one person, you're a preacher. The thing about this, this is, is Jesus didn't give this as a request. He didn't say, listen, if this doesn't put you out too much, if you feel okay with this, hey, listen, I don't want to ruffle your feathers, but if you're okay, could you maybe tell somebody about me? Hey, listen, listen, if this doesn't offend somebody, could you, could you maybe share me with them? This was a command. I want you to catch this. If we don't, we're walking in disobedience. If you're a Christian and you have a relationship with Jesus, other people should know it and hear it from you that Jesus longs to be in a relationship with them. You know, at election time, we all start getting them phone calls where the candidates are getting their volunteers to get on the phones and they call and ask you, hey, and they give you the whole thing of why their candidate is so qualified. And then they go, we really hope we can count on your vote. Anybody ever got those calls? And sometimes you actually get them, you get them and it's a recording. And it's somebody, you know, maybe even be the, the, uh, the, the candidate themselves. But they're so, you know, I've never gotten one where I go, yeah, you can count on my vote. I always go, well, I'm going to the voting booth and I'll make my statement then. I don't think anybody, it's anybody's business who I'm voting for, but, you know. But not one time have I ever said, I'm not going to give an answer to that, that they go, um, well, um, uh, uh, they always go, okay, well, thanks for your time, and hang up, and they go on and call the next person. Now, I want you to take a lesson from these people because they're not afraid of you rejecting them. They believe in the message of their candidate so much, they'll hang up 30 rejections to call and get one person to say yes. Well, what if they reject me? Or what if they treat me different when I tell them that I'm in love with Jesus? A lot of people cringe when you start telling them they have to share Jesus because they think that telling people about Jesus is a weird thing. Again, you need to fall in love with him again. He told us that we are to give people good news. Now, I want you to catch this. He didn't even tell us to go out and get people saved. He did not. He did not go say, go save the world, guys. It's not what he said. You know why? He already did that. <laughs> he, that we don't need to go save the world. He already did it. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go tell them, come on somebody, that they've been, they, they, they have access to that. 
That's what we're supposed to do. All right? Rejection or acceptance is not the measuring stick for, for what you're doing being a success or not. Okay? In fact, Jesus told us later on in Mark chapter 16 that there are going to be people who don't accept. Check this out. Verse number 16. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. What's he saying there? There are going to be people (laughs) that don't want to hear it, that don't want to receive it. We'll never receive it. There are going to be people in hell. I'm sorry if that offends you, okay? Some people are thinking, there, there's, there's a movement in some churches to get rid of the hell doctrine altogether. We don't talk about hell. We don't want to mention hell. I'm just going to tell you right now, hell is real, and there are going to be people there. Sadly. Breaks my heart. All right? So there are going to be people there. Because some people aren't going to accept what we have to say. But we're ordered to tell them anyway. If somebody doesn't accept what you said, it doesn't mean you didn't deliver it right. doesn't mean that you didn't do it right. doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means that they aren't at the point of ready to receive. But guess what? You have now fulfilled the commandment. You've done what you were supposed to do. I'll close with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 6. Sometimes, whether if if they accept or not, you may be planting a seed or you may be watering a seed. We're not all called to be harvesters. First Corinthians chapter three, verse number six says this. This is Paul talking. I have planted. What does that mean? I put seed in the ground. I planted the seed in people's hearts. I told them Jesus loves them. Jesus died for them. Jesus rose again and sealed all that. That's, that's the good news. They don't have to be in, in danger anymore. Next step, Apollos watered. What happened? He came behind me and said the same thing. Now look at that next part there. But God gave the increase. You know, God can't increase anything if there's nothing there. Now I know God created things out of nothing, but see, he does, he's not working with nothing. He's working with us. Come on, and we're something. And we have something on the inside of us. All right? We have to walk in obedience to share, and that is the measuring stick of you being successful. Now, we're going to pick up here next week. We're going to talk about this for the next two weeks, after the, next week and the week after. And we're going to talk about how you do this and the benefit that comes from you doing this. You don't want to miss this. Bring people. Bring them. We're going to get them saved while they're here. Amen? But I look, I look, I'm challenging you to go out and look for opportunities to share. Look for opportunities. I, uh, I, just one thing I do, I go, I go every Tuesday to the Rotary Club of Dr. Phillips. I go every week. I'm a member. And on my name badge, it says it real big block letters. Brent Bailey pastor real big and i put that name badge on and anybody you know they all know me now they, they all know they all call me pastor bailey and everybody anybody new comes in i make a beeline for them and i stick that chest right out there so they can see who who you're talking to shake their hand welcome and i always end with saying god bless you 
Now everybody that walks in the door, I'm not going, hey, do you know Jesus? <laughs> We're going to talk about all that. You don't want to miss it. Go out this week, though, and look for opportunities because Jesus is the number one love of your life, and he told you to do it. Amen? Heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm done. Lord, thank you for our time together today. Thank you.